What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McNeil, right field. Acuna going back, still going back. He's there. And the Atlanta Braves now lead by two. Their magic number one and they have won 100 games on the season. Complete dominance by the world champs. They did everything right but the main thing they hit the ball out of the ballpark. They pitched really well. Luckily they still do have the playoffs that you're going to. Is, is this a hard one to turn the page on? Just because it happens. Well, certainly, we're human beings. We're human beings, but, you know, it's not like they're not going to get a chance. They've earned something, regardless. They've earned something. And, uh, um, you know, you know what, what I say to them and whatever, you know, and the way we go about it, we don't really broadcast it. But you know, I'm just real proud. I'm proud of everything they've done, including, you know, this is not conditional. It's unconditional, the support. And, and uh, if I know these guys, they'll, they'll – uh, They'll rebound and and uh, look to make somebody feel their pain. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, October the 3rd, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. Add you to show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Well, welcome into another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. I come to you here on this fall Monday morning after a late ESPN Sunday night game, and I'm pretty sure if you're in the New York area, the weather, the dreariness, the Real sobering, right-in-your-face fact that the summer is over pretty much aligns with how you feel inside, how you felt inside ever since Friday night's loss and the impending doom that I know, well, at least on Twitter, I knew all of you felt as uh, as I scrolled the, uh, the timeline. And uh, the worst scenario possible out of the four scenarios that were out there going into the weekend where the Mets really only had to win and win a game down in Atlanta – happened they got swept they got beat and coming into this morning uh their elimination number is one the only positive outcome going forward is a very unlikely one 
that's to sweep the Nats. I don't think that's all that unlikely. Um, and the Mar, excuse me, and the Braves going down to Miami without a Alcantara pitching and losing all three, and and that's the only scenario out there. But we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into pie in the sky because, quite honestly, if I'm Buck Showalter, uh, and and I don't know psychologically how he's going to play this, I start preparing for Friday night. You know, I don't think there's a scenario in my mind where even if somehow they're tied going into Wednesday, where I waste Jacob deGrom on that Wednesday game. If you want to do it as a bullpen day, if somehow they do that, I go all out and I worry about Friday night. Because right now, it's about the tournament. And I I know what you're feeling, and I guess... How I'm going to take this State of the Union is is going to be maybe a little bit different than what you would expect. There's not any kind of positivity that I could give you. This weekend stunk. There's a lot more adjectives that I can't use on a family show. It stunk. And I think you heard Eduardo Escobar. Excuse me. Eduardo Escobar. There's my mind. Eduardo Perez, uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, does some nice work over on MLB Network, son of... Hall of Famer Tony Perez in that clip that I played coming in. He said it best. The Braves' big bats played better. They pitched better. And even Buck said they were better. And since June 1st, they have played at a historic rate, a 98 Yankees rate. The Mets have not. And that's why you saw a close to 11-game lead dwindle down to nothing, uh, nearly disappear in a month after they had that big 15-game winning streak. And now it's gone, and now the Braves are on the precipice of taking another division title. And look, I understand the history of the Mets, because in a vacuum, this is all about playoff seeding, and this makes their job harder. It does. It was not going to give them a yellow brick road, like all you want, to a postseason uh, success. The history of the Mets and the Braves plays into that, I know. Even though it has nothing to do with the guys who are in the uniform right now, you saw Turner Field. Everything you saw this weekend reminded you of Chipper Jones. It reminded you of 99. It reminded you of 2001. It reminded you of all the times that you'd go in and you'd sit down in front of your TV and you'd watch a Bobby Cox Braves team do something. Guys would come out of nowhere, go into that pitching rotation and win 15 ball games. Yeah, you had the Hall of Famers, but there always seemed to be somebody. You know, Chipper Jones, put your Yankees hat on. All that stuff. The 1999 NLCS, Kenny Rogers walking Andrew Jones. All of that comes back. I get it. But in a vacuum, the Mets now have to line it up on Friday. That's how I would play it. I would play it where you're competitive until the bell rings and the Braves have eliminated you. But I would not sacrifice anything for this weekend's ballgames. That's the bullpen. That's the rotation. You keep Walker and you keep Carrasco, of course, on schedule. And then Wednesday, if that is a day where you go in at 4 o'clock and for some reason the Marlins decide to come up and win two, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know if I burn a Jacob deGrom on that day because he's not going to be available in your three-game set, and that's a problem. Because, And I guess that's where I'm going to provide context, where, you know, maybe you guys will – Not like that because this morning you want anger and you want someone to punish verbally this team. And I would be the first to do it. Look, a week ago I was pretty hard on Jacob deGrom. Here's what I do know. That going into Friday's game, the Mets had lined up 
if you go back the last five years, they had lined up the two best pitchers in baseball, according to fan graphs over the last five years, and DeGrom and Scherzer. Back in December, when they signed Scherzer to that big three-year deal, this is why they signed them. So everything from a process standpoint was right there. Yeah, the offense is a little short, and that injury to Marte, as I've been saying since it happened, is a killer. Not that Marte alone would have won a ball game. It just changes the dynamic of that lineup. It lengthens that lineup. Maybe some decisions are made differently. The Mets losing the division very well might have been lost when that pitch hit Marte in the hand. And now we sit back and we hold our breath and hope that the Mets get him back for the postseason, back for Friday. Realistically, I don't think he's coming back till the division series. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets won't have him available till potentially if they make it to a championship series, NL championship series. I mean, that is, look at Bryce Harper. He was out most of the summer with something uh, rather similar. I knew that was bad news once he had to come out of that ball game. And they were itching for that all year. Nothing you could do about it. Can't cry over spilt milk. The other team doesn't care. So they're going to have to find a way to win until Marte comes back. And when he does come back, he hasn't swung a bat and played in a month. So what are you going to get? It's all bad all around. But, you know, he's a pro. And the last time he was out or had some time off, uh, I think he... He did pretty well in in finding his way back. So you had everything lined up. So I don't want to hear, well, they didn't do this to the offseason, and Billy Upload didn't do that at the deadline. That, nothing that's happened from a transaction standpoint forced the Mets to lose this weekend. They were flat-out beat. They were beat. Period. End of story. You, can't, you could take that roster and you could juggle it 52 different ways – And you know what? If you don't do anything but give the Atlanta Braves credit this morning, then you're not necessarily understanding the game. Tip your hat to them. Because if the shoe is on the other foot, you know what? You would expect them to do the same. Because, you know, it's funny because I I listen to Mets fans. Well, our hitters need to wake up. Well, the other team's pitching pretty good. When the shoe is on the other foot and the Mets are Carrasco, let's say. Forget Max or Jake are shutting down a team. You don't think that they're fans and they're uh, they're not saying, how can they not hit this guy? He's over the hill. You don't look at it that way. Like, wow, look at how good Carrasco's pitching. You have to look at it in context of competition. They were beat. And more importantly, it goes back to what I've told you from day one of this season. This happened and it was the blueprint was in front of you since the very, very first game against the Nats. The very, very first series. This Mets team very early on showed me what their blueprint is. Their blueprint is strong starting pitching, an elite closer, solid middle relief that gets you about six outs, timely hitting, and an offense that manufactures enough and usually puts up in an inning a crooked number, and they get to that fourth spot, and they win. And guess what? That fourth spot would not have helped them in any of these ball games, really, because the blueprint that they put out that they need to be successful, that they've used to be successful 98 times this season was not in play and not executed in any way at all throughout the weekend. And if it's not executed on Friday, Saturday or potentially Sunday against either the Padres, very likely, or the Phillies, they're going to be home. And at this time next week, we're going to be talking about postmortem and what happened, and how this team could go forward. 
and it's all going to be put in the closet. 2022 will be put in the closet. Now, I have a hard time believing that that's going to happen because as Buck said, every time, and this is, this is why this, I think, bothers you guys this much, is that every time this team has been faced with a challenge and where you wanted to compare them to a failure of a prior year, they've not... They've, they've, they've come through. They haven't disappointed you. And this weekend they disappointed you because they got beat by a team, by the world champs. And, and as I look, I think the Braves are beatable. I think that they're a feast or famine offense. But when that offense is on, they're tough. They scored their runs other than the, the fourth inning where Bassett created his own problems. They basically hit home runs. And home runs, the Yankees did this for years and years and years. And when the postseason came, miraculously, the home runs didn't come with them. It's just the way it works. You get beat. The Braves had their game. The Mets had their game. The Braves game was better than the Mets game. Because what you're going to hear, which is which is funny, is, well, the Mets don't hit enough homers, so they got to blow up. The, the column's written already. All this time, you hear about how baseball stinks and baseball is boring and the three at true outcome. And then the Mets build a team on defense, contact, you know, moving runners along, maybe not sexy stuff like the Braves. And it's been a- applauded all year. And now it's like, well, you know, when teams get out home or the other team, they usually win. Well, then let's just line up nine Daniel Vogelbacks, right? Is that the way it goes? That's not, you're going back to the same problem. Do they need another bat? They need Marte. We know that. And then the debate is, you know, what's going to go on with the DH spot and how can they improve the offense? Because I think they all year that DH spot has been a problem. And the guy that I thought was the solution is out in San Francisco hitting the ball pretty well. J.D. Davis, he just wasn't going to work out here for whatever reason. That's a discussion for another day. It really is. And as I told you, and it was funny because I had done the show, and as soon as I signed off, to put the show up on uh, Red Circle, our good our good buddies at Red Circle Media, I see the Alvarez news, which I don't have a problem with it. Look, you want to give the kid a tryout. Really, what it tells you is, you know, and, and maybe this is where you can blame the deadline. You shouldn't be auditioning players on October 1st. Fientos, Alvarez, I mean, Beatty subbed in a little bit. That happens throughout a baseball season. Guy gets hurt, you throw the kid in to see what he's got, and then he's out of there after two weeks. So Beatty was the only one that was, was maybe he was taken out because of an injury where who knows what they would have done. Because look at what Escobar has finally kind of rounded into who you signed him for. A damn good signing at that price, by the way, for what he could bring. I mean, he's he's looking like the 30 home run, 100 RBI guy. Street guy and, and veteran that you you were looking for. But when you look at these kids, and I know you look across the field and you see Harris and Acuna and Riley and guys that, look, Riley struggled when he first came up. So it's, you know, it's, it just, just doesn't happen. I mean, Acuna was pretty good day one. Riley was okay, but he struggled a little bit. I mean, guys like Kyle Wright struggled. I mean, Max Fried wasn't this top-of-the-rotation guy from day one. I mean, young players take time. And when you're in a pennant race, when you're trying to win, when you have this window to win, you know, you guys want them. Yeah, maybe Alvarez could have came up this weekend and been Greg Jeffries. And, you know, then it doesn't matter. 
there was not a scenario where I felt that was very probable, to be quite honest. He was in a car driving down, I think, to Florida with his parents when he gets the call. His mind was, my season's over. And then you pivoted, you threw him in there. I'm not criticizing the Mets. I think Ruff, maybe he's injured. Maybe he needed mental health. Maybe they looked at it like, hey, what do we have to lose at this point? The Mets from day one have played the long game here. And then they were looking to see, do I have something here? Do I I think Alvarez should be on the postseason roster? I mean, we went through the whole thing. Uh, I'd rather go at your Terrence Gores. I mean, if Marte's not going to be on the roster, then that changes the the conversation. I don't think you need 13 pitchers in a short series at a three-game set. So the answer is maybe. And maybe he walks into one. That's what you were waiting all weekend. Personally, I think that's the problem. You're asking the kid to come up, and he's probably trying to walk into one to show you that he belongs. And that's just this is just not the time of the year to do that. Same thing with Vientos. You just, none of you guys, a lot of you guys, not none of you, those who listen to this show, but when you start to look at social media, you really don't get how hard it is for these kids who are playing in no man's land Syracuse to come into this environment on a team that they're newbies and play at a level you're expecting them to play. By the way, and this is a conversation not for now, I'm not ready to hand Alvarez anything for next year. Certainly not the catching job. Not when you have all these new rules coming in with the bases and where where you might start to see a rebound of speed come back. And, you know, you want to say he could be a DH. Okay. But what if he's Jared Kelnick? And now you're back to square one where you're trying to cobble together. Because you, and I, I don't want to do it today because there's a playoff series. Like, that's that's the thing. There is a playoff series. Um, you, you know, you need to kind of look at how this team could continue to keep who they are, but add that component of power. Because right now, Pete Alonzo's your power hitter. The Braves have multiple guys who could hit power like Pete Alonzo. But I also think in a short postseason series against good pitching, the Braves could have severe power outages because, again, the Braves do... They don't do a lot of things the Mets do. They don't all the time work pitchers, although they did a good job of that. They really evolved this week into a much better offensive team than I saw all year. And if that's the offensive team they're evolving to, they're going to be really tough. I mean, if you look at the teams I look at and, and rank them in terms of, of how tough they are. Now, forget the American League. I'm not even going to talk about the American League. I've always had the Dodgers at the top. I had the Cardinals up there and the Braves. Those are the three teams, and I haven't seen San Diego since the Soto trade, so I can't say, but certainly having, especially if Tatis was in the lineup, that's a decent lineup. I think their their pitching's really good. Their bullpen doesn't scare me as much middle relief, but with Hayter now coming back, I mean, line it up. This is going to be this is going to be tough no matter what. I laugh now because I was like, oh, the, the road now is impossible to get to the World Series. All right, you win, and you were going to be – uh, a buy definitely helps with the whole Marte situation. There's no doubt a better seating is a better thing. You face the Cardinals in the NLDS. You think in a five-game series, the Cardinals are a pushover? They got a great closer. They got two elite hitters. I Go back and look at the scores of the games. They played some really tough, close, competitive games, both at City Field and in St. Louis. Had to win one of those on a walk-off with Pete. You know, you guys all got crazy with Pete doing the whole little three-point shot nonsense. So the blueprint failed them. 
And and here's the thing going into next next week, going into Friday. First of all, the, the Mets are not going to be like the fans. They're not going to sit. And like Buck has said, it is over now. The series is over. You can't sit back and start to wonder if they had beaten the Nats here, if they had won a couple of games against the Cubs, if they had won this game early in the, earlier in the year. By the way, you could you could play the opposite. Maybe they shouldn't have come back from a 7-1 deficit against the Phils. Maybe they shouldn't have beat the Card, uh, uh, the Cardinals in St. Louis in that game in the ninth inning. Maybe, you know, a walk-off here, a break there, a thing there. You know, the Phillies game here, you know, they beat the Phillies a thousand times. Phillies win two or three of those like a normal baseball team usually does. They're not even having this conversation. Of course, you could have that about the Braves. Here's the only crime this Mets team has done. They can't, they're not good enough to win 103-104. They're not a team that could be at 114-win pace like the 98 Yankees, like the 2001 Mariners. By the way, what did those 117, 116 wins do for the Mariners in 01? What did they do for them? It all is back to 0-0, and and it would have been that way if the Mets won. Now, would you have felt better? Would the theme of the show be better? Of course. Of course it would be. But it's not, so we have to deal in reality. And the bottom line is this. Now is not the time to start playing around with Vientos this, Alvarez that. You know what? You've got a bunch of guys, and that's including if Ruff is healthy, that have resumes that you've gone to the well with in 2022. Vientos, Alvarez, Beatty, any of those guys. Peterson, McGill, you know, potentially put them in there as well. Okay, Drew Smith different. He was kind of emerging. He seems to be pitching better. Maybe he's part of it. I don't want to hear about these guys. They're not a solution right now. They're conversation for next year. Depth pieces, component pieces, maybe more for next year. You line up who has been here. What, are you going to sit around now in a postseason series, ask this kid to come in and get a hole of one? Well, he's the number one prospect in all of baseball. Nobody cares. Josh Hader doesn't care. Joe Musgrove doesn't care. You Darvish doesn't care. Braves certainly didn't care. I bet you a majority of those 40,000-plus in the stands in Atlanta don't even know he's on a top prospect list. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And you know what? There's a lot of guys who watch the Mets that aren't on Twitter who probably, you know, they know he's good, but they don't know. I, I heard, you know, somebody had said Benigno was on the air this weekend. And how he was ranting and raving like Benigno always does. It's amazing. The fan, all due respect to Joe, the fan never could procure talent. They're going back to the same people that have been there for a thousand years. It's kind of like if you ran a baseball team and you bring Steve Calton out in 1998 after he's been retired for 11 years because 11 years you refused to develop. And he would say, oh, this kid was ready a month ago. Oh, really, Joe? What scout did you talk to? Because I talked to somebody who was actually down in minor league baseball who told me it didn't look great when he saw him. And that was, I think, late August or something like that. Now he had the foot injury. Same thing with Vientos. I mean, I'm not ready to give up on these guys. What I'm saying is you got to go through a spring training. You got to go through the process of the season. You got to go through the learning curve. You can't do it. There's no shortcut here on this stuff. And you can't ask somebody to come in. Greg Jeffries didn't even do it. Greg Jeffries came up in late August and played his mind out in September. And he had a really good NLCS. Look it up against the Dodgers. Almost made a a bad base running play, though. I think it was in game one. 
game the Mets won. If, I think back, there was a kind of a wonky base running play that almost cost them in that comeback against Oral Hershiser. Think about that team. 10 out of 11. I mean, so this is what I'm saying is like you make everyone's going to make declarations now about this team, all about guts and this and, you know, stepping up. That's all nonsense. That's all filler. They're going to do a referendum on home runs versus this. We were having the exact opposite conversation a year ago when they were a home run or nothing team. Exact opposite. You, The Mets are built to be sound defensively, which they were all weekend, to have contact approach and work pitchers up and down the lineup. They're missing a very important piece to their lineup, a very important piece, where you're now using guys who are depth pieces in on a larger scale than you want in Guillaume and Naquin and guys like that. And that's Marte. They'd be looking, you be, you know, and 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 look, the, the, they actually, Vogelback did his job last night. I mean, the wonkiness with the DH is that you kind of have this platoon, so you're doing one guy and then another guy. It's really old school way of looking at it, and there's nothing wrong with it if you have the right-handed complement that makes sense, and you also need a right-handed complement. You need one of those guys to eventually, when he comes in, be able to hit the other side. Alvarez hasn't been great against right-handed pitching in the in the minor leagues. He plays like a platoon player. You all love him, but he's playing like a platoon player. Not to the extremes of Vogelback or Ruff, but you get my point. I told you, and actually I said this on Friday, whenever I did the last show, they were out for blood. You were going into a cauldron. And the Braves fans, look, it's a, it's a nice environment. I know you guys, there's some of you hate it. You hate me saying it. But they turn the lights out when the pitcher comes in. They do like this concert style, uh, you know, with the, the the tomahawk chop. Whether you like the tomahawk chop, don't like it, you want to have a political conversation, that's not for this show. It exists. It's their thing. And uh, I don't think that's why the bet's lost. But you go in there and it's there's energy. And I hear people say, well, it's because they won a World Series. And yeah, you know. They were in no man's land just five years ago. They were a bad rebuilding team. And you're going to go, what, so so let's see Friday at City Field. We're all going to sit on our hands and be pain. I, I can see it now. I, I look at it now. I'm watching. Oh, you're going to have the people with the, they, they, the networks love putting the people who are praying. Don't pray to whoever you're praying to for a baseball game. That's not the way the world works. That That entity doesn't determine the outcome. Okay? He doesn't. She doesn't. Whatever. And then you have the people who are paying the whole time. You just see them there. Like, you might as well send them to the dentist for their teeth to be pulled out. You do. And I look at this and I'm like, well, if this is what this sport's doing to you, look, it's okay to be stressed and tight and anticipatory, but to be pained? Now, some of that is probably the network panning towards a narrative about the Mets fan. But honestly, I I hate to say it. I could see this on Friday. I saw it on Keith Hernandez number day. I saw it against the Marlins earlier this week, last week. I, I can see a tight as a drum. I mean, God forbid Soto hits a home run in the, ninth, in the first inning. They're down one nothing. Ah, that's it. We're going home. I could see it. And it's not why they're going to lose, but it makes this much harder. The difference really between all these teams, the Mets and the Braves specifically, is the Braves were a hell of a lot better at home. Not much better at home than the Mets. They would not, and maybe that goes back to the home run, they would not allow the Cubs to win three at home or the Nats to win two out of three. They would take two out of three or probably sweep. They've been doing that. They've been 700-plus baseball since June 1st. 
If you had told me that the Braves were going to be on a 114-win pace for a 90- to 110-day window this year, I would not think the Mets would be close to stiffing the division. I thought the Mets were a 91-92 win team. I said that because I figured Scherzer would be on the DL a couple of times. They had some older players. I wasn't so sure how guys would perform. Bullpen, back in the rotation, Carrasco, Walker. There was a lot of ifs. A lot of those ifs came up really good. So now you got to reboot. You know, you go out there, you play. It's a bit of extended spring training over the next 72 hours. You get one day off and then back on the horse. You know, and I can see it. They're going to spend the next three days, the media and the fans, just dissecting the team. This is what they need. They're already planning for the offseason. I mean, think about how much worse this was if you were in a different time. The 85 Mets won, uh, what did they win, 100 games? Or close to it, 98 games, whatever it was. And they went home. This team has a wild card. You think you talk to the 85 Mets, you go back in your time capsule, would they trade? Sure. Cardinals beat them. Cardinals beat that team just like the the Braves beat the Mets. I think that Cardinals team wasn't as good. I think that Mets team had deficiencies in some cases, especially on the um, against left-handed pitching. That's why they went out and got Tuffle. They were a little bit short as their young pitchers like Aguilar and Fernandez weren't quite there. That's why they went out and got Ojeda. But they got beat. The 93 Giants, you think they would switch with the Mets after they got beat by the Braves down the stretch, losing to a bad Dodgers team on the road? Think how much that hurt. With a rookie, Solomon Torres. Go look it up. They decided to play. Let's see how this big young arm, this prospect can play. And look what it did. You got to line up with those who are there. Forget Alvarez. Forget Vientos. If Ruff is healthy, if there's a spot for him on the roster, which there will be, they're going to need a right-handed compliment to Vogel back. Assuming that it's not going to be Marte because Marte can't play the field or there's a lot of ifs. You go with what got you here. Forget about Syracuse. Forget about prospectless. Forget about these guys. They're not the answer right now. That's for next year. That's for spring training. That's for the offseason where they have to make decisions. This is not Stratomatic. This is not your fantasy team. You can't just sign somebody the last week to win your fantasy league. That's not how the real world works. It's just not. So if I'm a betting man, I agree with Buck. We're not in the getting to know you phase with this team anymore. But this team has certainly faced its first bit of questioning about it after this weekend. Let's see how they come out of it. Let's see how they take this disappointment. The Mets are not your typical cycle team like the Braves, where you have the innocent climb, and then you have the breakthroughs, and you do all those things that make you into a champion. Braves started winning titles in 2018. I mean, division titles. It took them four years to win a World Series, and now they're kind of in that Hey, we've got this. But they've got guys that have grown up with the team, and they've added. Now, the Mets have veterans. They've kind of been shotgunned together to try to win like the Marlins did in 97 and, to a certain degree, the Diamondbacks in 2001. But um, – and those are that's hard. Even the Yankees in 96, they kind of just brought all these guys together. And it could happen. But this is the first – really – they faced a lot of adversity. I mean, they, they lost their two top guys. They lost Scherzer for a third of the season. They lost the Grom for almost 60% of the season. And they made it through. 
all the things, if I told you all the things that have happened in spring training back in March were going to happen, and then I turn to you and say the Mets have a chance in the last week in the season to win the division, you would not have believed that. You probably would say they're not even going to be a wild card team. And the bar is high. I mean, you got to win, you know, high 80s. I mean, this is not a season where you could say I could win 83, 84, 85 games and sneak into the playoffs and we'll roll the dice and see what happens. You got to be up there. Phillies are a decent team. San Diego's a decent team. It's not going to be easy for any series. You just added three playoff games potentially to the schedule. That's not really good when you have an older team, but that's the lot they've drawn. They've created it. They've been beat. So it'll be interesting to see. So really right now, uh, what's it going to look like for this show? Um, I'm going to wind up. I'm not going to do necessarily post-game shows for the playoffs. We're going to do a preview of the next series. It's probably going to be Mets-Padres. I'm working on that. Phillies still have a shot. I mean, it's possible the Phillies are the, the team. I think all along, I've always said that series would be a weird series, a dangerous series. But the pot, they're probably on paper the Phillies are a better matchup for the Mets than the Padres. But it doesn't matter when you play in three games. You could be playing. Look, you could throw the Marlins or the Cubs in a three-game set in the playoffs right now and just give them a seed. You don't want to take them lightly. It's not the way it works. Um, so we'll do shows probably either the morning after or maybe if it's an early afternoon game, a few hours after, because I do want to get some reaction. What I don't like is when people come on and just like react like three or four minutes after the after the after the game and start just talking. Like you want to hear the post game. You want to hear rationale. You know, the whole thing with Jake with the blister. You don't know that until you gotta get some context. And then you know what's just narrative and what's BS and what's not. You know that. So we're gonna do that. So the plan is Preview show of the postseason. I mean, look, if somehow this division thing gets wild and it's a whole different scenario, but it doesn't really change the way I look at the show. And then you have Friday night, you have Saturday, maybe Sunday, and then we'll take it from there. This is crazy how you spend all this time with this team. April, May, June, July, August, six plus months. Really, this this journey started back a year ago when they started signing guys, and then there was the break for the lockout, and then right around St. Paddy's Day, it was go time, and it's like been nonstop since St. Paddy's Day. And you spend all this time with a team, and think about it, like this, we could be talking about next year, within a week, less. That's how cruel, I mean, it was Bart Giamatti wrote about how baseball just leaves you. The fall has that kind of... You know, sadness where the summer's over, all those, you know, less less light, and you see the leaves falling like you see this morning, and your team's gone in an instant, and then somebody else moves on. And that somebody else may have not even been thought about as possibly playing at this time of the year back in June, but they are. So we'll see how it goes. But that's what I got for you guys. But ultimately, it's about the blueprint. You know what the blueprint is. You know what this team needs to do. When you watch a game, it's a good starting pitching. Get you into the seventh inning. You have the elite closer, and you got to figure out three to six outs, and you got to put a crooked run up, four to five runs. They had opportunities. They had opportunities in each game. And instead of putting up four or five runs like they could have in those innings, they put up one or two. And if that's what they're going to do against San Diego, they're probably going to be in a bad place and probably going to lose unless their pitching could just flat out shut out the other guys. So you know what the blueprint is. It's been like that since day one. Don't complain about it because it's worked pretty well. 
So that's what I got for you. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the latest Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast later this week, previewing the wild card round. Until then, take care, everybody. so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.